Hello and welcome to Say That, the podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. And joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. That's right. You better remember that. Wow. Starting off aggressive this week. So joining us is the director of Mission USA Productions, Jed Brewer. It's true, but you don't need to remember this at all. Okay. Wow. I've already forgotten. Joining us all the way from Mercury, Tennessee, is one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. I'm me. It doesn't matter what you do with this information. Nothing changes it. Wow, that started out kind of... I thought it was on a self-pity level, but then it got really philosophical. It's deep. It's deep, man. Lee's saying he is just a fact. <laughs> There's nothing you can do that will diminish... You can't change it. Him. It's like well, existential, man. On the subject Ooh. of people and their nature and uh, whatnot, <laughs> I'd like to declare... An emergency. An emergency. Whoa. That's a very odd. You know, since we're talking about things that exist, I wanted to segue <laughs> into this. Talking about people. And Boy, that's smooth. <laughs> since we were using the English language, I'd like to take this opportunity to say more words. <laughs> Subtle as a sphinx. <laughs> All right. We got a, uh, a question via the tubes of the interwebs from our dear friend Haley Harris, uh, who is awesome and a regular contributor to the Bridge Box media empire um you should start listening to haley's music now so that you can tell people that you listened to her before they did and get your cool points going but she writes to us she or says you get a special scarf every time you say that exactly wow. right i liked them before they were cool whoa i'm in this band you've probably never heard of them right now i wish i was you yeah you should wow let me tell you about this band it's a dad and his kids it's called mumford and sons Whoa. You've probably never heard of them. They're amazing. <laughs> Blow this your mind. has been Pitchfork Theater. <laughs> <laughs> I give it a 3.2. All right. Here's, here's what our friend Haley had to say. Dear say that, my boyfriend has incredibly curly hair that he has let grow out to extreme lengths. Oh, no. Now, he thinks it's really cool, but he kind of just looks like he's trying to be a hipster. He disagrees. I came across 2 Corinthians 6.14, which says, and I quote, be ye not unequally yoked the other day. Extra points wow. for the King James Version. Always uh, bonus points on the KGV. And I'm wondering <laughs> if it applies to our situation. See, my hair is at an appropriate length and style. I just feel like we're unequally yoked with hair. Whoa. My initial reaction would be to break up with him because God told me through my feelings but I fear that we've developed a soul tie, and it would completely ruin all future relationships for both of us. Definitely. I could also just cut it off myself, Samson and Delilah style, but what if he then loses his super strength and the Philistines kidnap and defeat him? Three question marks. Always a possibility. Please help wow. say that. There are roving bands of Philistine, Philistines around East Nashville. It's a real problem. We're on the case, Haley, and I think uh, we're going to turn to our resident hair expert, Glenn Fitzgerald. Wow. Wow. That's how fast it took to go to the bald joke. <laughs> you know, congratulations! You're all witnessing the almost firing of Jed Brewer. I'm, I'm sorry, I, I couldn't hear you over the sound of my rich, thick mane. You know, you know what? If there's any justice in the world, in about two or three years, it's just gonna just slowly desert you. Here's here's you know what they they say the first rule of comedy is: don't go for the obvious. Yeah. Anyway, um, meanwhile, Larry the Cable Guy is a billionaire, so maybe that's not the first rule of comedy. <laughs> Here, here's what I'm saying. Well played. Point to Matt King. Um, you 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 brought up an intriguing concept 
uh, in your in your question here, which is night barbering. Oh yeah, because you know while he's sleeping. You oh, know, I thought you meant K night with a K barbering, and you thought she should do it with a broadsword. <laughs> no, no, Matt. Oh, although that is intriguing. That's I'm a, down. Well, now I'm much less interested. But go ahead with your thing. Is every must everything be Game of Thrones with you, Matt? <laughs> Sure. <laughs> but here's what I'm saying is, you know what I mean? He's sleeping. You know what? Boom, done. It's true. You go in there with the scissors. Boom. He wakes up. Shorn. Totally. Problem solved. Well, see, I think, you know, look. Um, and that sends a message, too. You wake up with all your head cut off, uh, no hair on your head anymore. Godfathery. Yeah, you... You don't mess with that woman ever again. Well, you know, I'm just saying, I think it may be good preparation for marriage. Absolutely. Just let them know this is what you're dealing with. <laughs> exactly right. I'm going to let you know there's a problem. I'm going to give you a chance to try and solve that problem. Right. If you fail to solve that problem yourself, oh, it'll be solved. There you go. Here's That's the thing, up. though. Here's the thing, though. In Andrew's defense, yeah. uh, you know, it was for freedom that Christ set Andrew's hair free. So he must not be mm. yoked again by a burden of slavery. Wow. You raise a good point. Are you saying that if he submits to the shearing that Hallie wants to give him, that would be like submitting to a circumcision? Is that what we're saying? Let's table that for a second, because <laughs> Jed just said Hallie instead of Haley, which is Jed's wife's name, oh, yeah. which is a real peek behind the uh, psychological origins of Jed Brewer here. <laughs> yeah. You saying ha- Hallie just tells him what to do all the time? I mean, wait, what? What? Hey, what? Is that? What, it's getting it, Freudian who, on the Say That who, podcast this week. I was talking about someone else, right? Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> Hallie does tell me what to do, and right. she's right when she tells me to do it. It's better right. for all of us. No and doubt I'm, about it. I'm happy to comply because I'm a smart man. That's correct. No doubt about it. Lee, I forgot what you were saying. Lee was comparing Andrew's situation to circumcision, and I'm really <laughs> eager to see where this and goes. Slavery. That seems that a little odd. inappropriate. Break it down, younger. Look, all I'm saying is uh, she's imposing a kind of an Old Testament law on Andrew's hair and he's uh he he's he's under the law of grace. He's not he's not under the old the old system of of rules and regulations. You raise a good point. Here's what I'm wondering. One of the concerns Haley brought up is that he looks like he's trying to be a hipster. So, See, this concerned me and I don't know if it concerned me for the same reason it concerned you. I didn't know that one of the hipster things was having long curly hair. I didn't either. So I'm apparently so out of touch. I don't even know what the hipster stereotypes are anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Do they even wear skinny jeans anymore? Are I, they off that? I don't know. I don't that I don't know either. Playing ironic instruments. Maybe they don't even do that anymore. What? Or maybe is they've gotten hip? even more ironic than the banjo, and it's all lute now. Oh, everybody loves lute. Please. Uh, I think if if you want to have a healthy relationship, you send a message. You know what? Mama said it's time to cut the hair. Hair's going to get cut. That's right. That's, okay. that's that, right. You you set. That's a precedent you want to set. Absolutely. Because here's the here's the problem, and I'm just because we're all about relationship. Absolutely. On this podcast, the point is you got to look at his head. Sure. He don't see it at all all day okay. long. Okay. So that's the thing is, you you should be able to make decisions about his hair because you're the one having to look at it. Okay. If you're okay. looking, if if you gotta understand, you can't walk your boyfriend because you it takes 
years to get a boyfriend and then work with him, sure. mold him, <laughs> shape, shape him. him into something usable sure. and has a function. Couldn't agree more. See what I'm saying? You don't ruin all that work with a goofy hairdo. Right. You got to get in line. Right. Well, here's what I'm wondering, and, and this is, I want to be clear before I say this, this is, I, I don't say this out of a sense of advancing our own interests. Right. I okay. say this out of love. I yep. say this out of care. I wonder if there's a way to let him keep the hair but have it be less of an eyesore. Ooh, I, I'm I see where you're going. I'm wondering if there's something he could put on his head mm. that would contain the hair right. in a more managed way. And still be extremely fashionable. This is what I'm talking about. Maybe rep your excellent taste in media at the same time. Hmm. Well, Chad, I can't even imagine that that technology exists. I don't think it does. <laughs> I assume you're talking about some sort of say that branded bandana, and I don't think we can do that. No, that doesn't seem right. That a doesn't, hairnet? Not quite it. No. But you know, a tri-corner hat? Is that a hipster thing now? Mm, it's not bad. It's not bad. Wait a second. What? Don't we have a big box of say that beanie sitting scant feet away from us? <laughs> what a moment in capitalism this is. <laughs> Matt, take it away. Plug time. All right. If you want to say that beanie, it's Heather Gray. It's got say that with a big exclamation point to show that you know what's up with your own uh, personal style there. You can get one by signing up for Bridgebox. MissionUSA.com slash Bridgebox. It's $8 a month. You get songs, sermons, videos, Bible studies, devotionals, and all sorts of other bonus goodies in your inbox every month for only $8. And all that money goes directly to support the ministry we're doing right here in Chicago with folks getting out of gangs, getting off drugs, and getting out of jail. You can also sign up for the Lee Younger branded Bridgebox, which yeah. is a brand new worship song from Lee every month, along with a behind-the-scenes video, some other goodies from him, and some Bridgebox material he has curated from past month's Bridgeboxes. It's missionusa.com slash BBLY. It's also $8 a month. Most of that money goes to Lee. We get a little bit up here. If you want to do both of them for $12, that's $16 worth of material for $12. Email me, matt at missionusa.com. Or for the month of February, you can sign up. You can get a beanie via buying a record from our friend Eric Peters. Head on over to ericpeters.net or to iTunes. Buy one of his albums. Screenshot me some kind of proof of purchase. We've had folks send in a screenshot of their iTunes, a screenshot of their iTunes receipt, uh, a shot of the receipt number. Any of that's good. Just want to know you bought the album. And also we can pass that along to Eric and let him know that we are doing some good stuff for him. Uh, one other thing we want to plug real quick. Uh, we have some other podcasts we're involved in. You get the Bridge Podcast. comes out every Monday. That's worship songs that we've cut, a lot of them for Bridgebox, along with a little 10-minute sermon by most of the time Glenn, and I'll occasionally pop up on there. A lot of good stuff. A little 25-minute worship service kick your week off right every Monday, the Bridge Podcast. Also, Lee hosts and produce uh, a show called Ancient and New that I am on a fair amount, and Glenn and Jed will also pop up on. And they are starting something new coming out next week. Lee, you want to share a little bit about that with us? Absolutely. Thanks, Matt. Uh, so on March 5th, which I believe is, uh, as this episode comes out, is next Wednesday, is in the church calendar, uh, Ash Wednesday, which is the beginning of the season of Lent. And uh, last year, uh, a blog 
reader asked if I had any uh, good Lenten devotionals, just something to read throughout the season of Lent. And so I was writing a devotional every single day for Lent. And what I've done throughout um, for the past few months is I've put together audio recordings of those devotionals. And one of them is going to come out every single day throughout the uh, the entire season of Lent, right up until um, Good Friday and Easter Sunday morning. So they're about eight to nine minutes long, and there'll be one in the Ancient and New podcast feed every single day. So if you just want a little, uh, little encouraging uh, devotional to listen to as you're getting ready for school, getting ready for work, something like that, those will be coming out for free every single day on the Ancient and New podcast. Thanks a lot, Lee. You can find that at iTunes, Ancient New. Just go ahead and click subscribe. And while you're at it, subscribe to this. Subscribe to the Bridge Podcast. And if you haven't, leave us a nice review. That leave helps a us review. Get <laughs> leave a review. And I think, wow, wow, I got slightly German. <laughs> you will leave a review. No. And I think, I don't think we ever actually closed out that emergency. And no. I want to give one last piece of advice to our, our friend Andrew. See, I, I, we've noticed... Their fashion is many things to many people, and for women, it has to do with seasons and style and personal expression. Men's fashion has two basic tenets. Is it comfortable, and will it make the pretty lady stay? So if cutting your hair or not is the difference between the pretty lady staying, just go ahead and do that. Yeah. And here's the thing, too. Yeah. Right or wrong, my fellow married brother across the table from yeah. me, has... Is this true or false? Your wife has looked at you wearing something and vetoed it. Oh, yes, many times. <laughs> sent, sent you back and said, I don't think so. That's right that there, the parliamentary rules of marriage. The wife yeah. gets a veto. Yeah, th- that is not going to happen. Well, and I, I can tell you why I am very quick to go along with that is because my wife is way out of my league. That's correct. I mean, massively. Yes. Bail water. So, Andrew, um, I'll leave it to you to decide whether or not uh, your lady is out of your league. You, you can uh, ask us if that's the case. Yeah, but uh, if it is, hint, it might be. Yeah. May want to may want to go with uh, what she wants on this, brother. Just a right. thought. Keep the woman happy. Say emergency <laughs> off, Jed, so we can move on. <laughs> I would just like to say Matt attempted in a very professional way to tell Jed to do emergency off in a way that that looked fa- you know vaguely vulgar. Yeah. Which it was just, getting there. That's, that, that basically just confused Jed. Yeah, I'm I'm a deer in the headlights. Jed was just trying to work out what Matt meant, what sort of insult that was. One of my favorite games, if I was just to say that listener, would be, guess which one they recorded second in the night? <laughs> Who? What? Where? I'm confused. All right. Um, Haley and Andrew, we love you. We appreciate you. We're going to send you both, say that, beanies that we hope will uh, keep you warm and, and, and help to make this hair transition process easier. Yes. Um, and with that, I declare a very romantic emergency yeah. off. Emergency off. Emergency off. All right, we're going to move on to our first question here. If you have a question, hang out with us all the way to the end. I'll give you the addresses. Send it to us at. This one came in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox, and it says, what is the line between between being wise and being scared. Let me explain. I'm a very cautious person, always weighing every decision with pros and cons, deciding if this is the right path that God wants for me. 
I consider consequences in both the short and long term. However, this has led to me being labeled as safe and unromantic and not a risk taker in things including relationships, ministry, career, and hobbies. So what is the difference between those two extremes? Glenn, can you kick us off? Well, my guess is that you're on the extreme of... I don't think it's a choice between being wise and being scared. It's between taking chances and not taking chances. That's the way your friends have uh, laid it out to you. I think that's the confrontation they're they're, uh, making with you. And I think the question you ought to ask yourself is, are you taking chances? Uh, and, and I think the, if you want to bring, uh, the whole, uh, God thing into this, uh, it actually works a little different from the way that you're wording the question. So first and foremost, what you're describing is not wisdom. What you're describing is logic using logic and using a bit of human intelligence, uh, to be able to analyze that logic. Uh, that is not a spiritual thing on any level. There's no spiritual stuff involved in that. That's just intellect. That's the mind, not spirit. Uh, the spiritual stuff, that's where wisdom comes in. And wisdom comes from God. W- uh, wisdom does, does not come from thinking about it. Uh, now, of course, uh, uh, what uh, we want to point out is that the two are not somehow mutually exclusive. In other words, uh, if you want to have good wisdom, often the best way to do that is to think it through, to analyze it, maybe even talk it through with someone else, look at all the angles, and then take that assessment that you have to the Lord and say, here's what is logical, here's what makes sense, here's kind of where my head is at, here are my feelings on it, my thoughts on it, but Lord, I'm giving all of that to you, and I'm asking, am I on basically the right track or am I basically on the wrong track with this? Uh, so at least I can get just a very broad sense of, you know, do, a, a, am I in the ballpark with this thing? And then I can work on getting that more and more refined. But what you're getting from the Lord is wisdom. That's Wisdom is a virtue. It's a, it's a spiritual uh, thing. When we see things from God's point of view, uh, that's wisdom. Um, that has nothing to do with uh, being risk-averse uh, at all. In fact, I would say there's no such thing as risk if you're operating on wisdom. That's what that is. Now, what you're looking at there is uh, faith. That is to say, when when we receive wisdom, the very next thing that comes up is faith. That is to say, I know what I need to be doing. Now, do I have the faith to actually yeah. act on that? Yeah. Uh, if you're lacking in faith and then that's a different problem, faith won't come from thinking and figuring on it either. Uh, there's no such thing as a plan that comes from God that is so, uh, 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 wise sounding and so intelligently and logically laid out that you are no longer too chicken to do it. If you're chicken, you're chicken. It doesn't matter how, uh, you know, where it comes from, whether it's from God or whether it's from you. Uh, so I think that's what we had to look at. And it's important that we do look at this, and, and I'll wrap this up and send it around to the other fellows. It is important that we look at this because uh, the Bible says that everything that, that doesn't come from faith is a sin. And this is, what it, this is exactly what it means by that. It means if you get something from the Lord and you know what you're supposed to do, and then you step out in faith on that, then that's the right thing, period, the end. That's righteousness. Everything else isn't. Uh, 
So if you thought about something and came up with the most smart and 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 intelligent and logic this logical uh, decision about something and it's laid out in the most rigorous way with the most intense details and you're not really getting anything from the Lord on that there that is by definition not righteous in fact here's a weird thought what if you do the right thing by accident without asking God it, does God see that as you following him or does he see that you just happen to do the thing that happened to be what he's asking you to do there's a real difference there so I think it's important for us to look at uh, when we're uh, trying to live a life of faith that we we eliminate these words uh, uh, or the or change the way we use these words of uh, risks and taking chances and uh, the idea of uh, you know, it, having wisdom being something that we just think our way through. That's an excellent point, Lee. Um, yeah, I, I like this question, and, and I like where Glenn was taking that. And I think um, w- one thing that we've talked about on the podcast before is uh, something that I think it's uh, I think it's a good time to bring this back up. Is there's a there's a promise that God gives in James chapter one, and it's such an interesting verse because it is just a it is like a like a unconditional unilateral promise. He says, "If if anybody lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, and God will give to all men without showing, without upbraiding, or without with in other words, without uh with without like you know punishing or anything like that." And and uh, and so you know if if there's something that I'm trying to figure out, I mean I don't think there's anything wrong with saying you know when I'm trying to figure out what to do, whether it's a ministry or career or relationships, to have your pro and con list, to think about it, to talk to friends about it. There's nothing wrong with doing those things. But if you're going to, he says, if anybody lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. God will tell you what to do. But he says, but, but the only, the only way that God won't tell you what to do is if somebody doubts. And he says, don't let him doubt because anybody that doubts is like a, is like somebody is like a, like a little ship that's tossed on the waves of the sea. This, this, a person like this is, uh, is unstable in all he does, and, and he shouldn't expect that he'll get anything from God. And so that's such a weird thing. Now, the, the tricky thing is is, uh, is that in the original language that James wrote this, this little letter, the word doubt, it's really the word that's, that's translated everywhere else in the New Testament, judge. What he's really saying is, is that if you've got a situation that you need to know what to do, that you can actually go to God and you can ask him, what do you want me to do in this? And he says, and God will give you, he, he will show you what to do. He, he'll actually, he'll actually tell you what to do. That's a unilateral promise that, that he gives. But he says, but if you, if, if in your heart, you, you're going to have a judgment on that. In other words, God, you tell me what to do. And I'll just kind of weigh it in here with the pros and cons list. He says, God will not tell you anything. In other words, what, what you've got to do is you've got to say, You've got to settle in in your own heart. I'm going to ask the Lord what I want, what what He wants me to do, and I am not going to make a judgment call about whether or not I want to do that afterwards. I'm just going to do what Jesus wants me to do. I'm not going to make a judgment. I'm just going to do the thing. And what what we see, and I know I've seen this in my own life. You see it in a lot of people is. 
I'm going to pray about it. And then, you know, uh, I, but you know, but I don't know, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of weigh that in there with all the options. You're not going to get an answer on that. That's, that's that you're, you're, if you're still making the judgment call on whether or not you're going to submit to this thing, you're not going to hear anything. But if you're, if you, if the settled attitude of your heart is, Lord, I'm going to come to you and ask you what you want me to do. And I'm going to, I'm going to walk in that. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do what you want me to do. I, I think th- he says, then you're going to, he's going to tell you what to do. And I think a good way to, to start getting some reps on that is just right now today, Jesus, what do you have for me? What do you have for me in the relationships I'm in? Just start in little things, start to try to get some reps on this. Uh, in this situation, how do you want me to respond? In this relationship, how do you want me to handle this? In this situation over here, what are the boundaries that you want to set, Lord? I'm not going to make a judgment call. I'm just asking you to set this up. I want you to give me the feeling, the left or right limits on on what I'm going to do. Start to get some little reps in every day on what is it that, that, what would it mean for me to submit to Jesus today, to show him that I love him today, to follow in what he has for me today. And I think that is where we're going to get out of this realm of, am I being a a chicken? Am I being too cautious? Or am am I being reckless? Or am I being, or am I just, you know, just trying to do the craziest thing ever? We get out of that realm of that and finding what would it mean to submit my life to the Lord in in real, actual things today? Absolutely, Jed. Uh, well, I agree with everything Glenn said and everything Lee said. I'd just like to pick up exactly where Lee left off and, and build on that. Um, uh, once you have gone to the Lord and said, what is it that you'd have me do? It's You're in charge. You tell me. And God says, here's the thing that I want you to do. That's actually now the time for all that intelligence that you have to begin to, to really enter the picture. Let me, let me tell you what I mean. So say that you go to the Lord and you say, you know, do you want me to be involved in, in some kind of ministry to the least of these? And the Lord says, yeah, I, I do, actually. And you go to the Lord and you say, do you want me to be involved? There's a lot of homeless people in my city. Do, do you want me to be involved in outreach to folks who are homeless? And the Lord says, yeah, I do. Well, now we need to massively turn on our brain and figure out how do we, in an effective, reliable, safe way, go about doing effective homeless outreach. Right. Now we need to take all that human intelligence that God's given you and bring that to bear full strength on figuring out how do we implement this thing that God has asked me to do. In our world, and I know this is true for Lee as well, we spend an unbelievable amount of time and energy trying to figure out what's the smart way to do this thing. Yeah. We've got a thing God's asked us to do. How do how do we do that? Right. You know, how do we pull that off? How do we avoid crashing it into a wall? Because the crazy thing is, and, and I think, darling, this may be part of what um, has uh, bothered you in the past, is you'll see Christians that will decide uh, uh, that God's leading them to do something, and he may be, that will go about it in the weirdest, most yeah. unintelligent, least reflective, r- least insightful way they can find. Right. Um, We've known people, I'm not We're making... are just trying to be obedient. They're trying to, hey, just trying to be obedient. We know people, I'm not making this up, where they felt called by the Lord to do urban ministry, and they will pick an insanely dangerous neighborhood and just, just walk around it. Yeah. 
Just just go there at night and just walk around, just having a prayer vigil. To the point of spoiling their witness because they look so clueless. Exactly right. Exactly right. When the Lord says, if you have the courage, like both Glenn and Lee are talking about, to go to the Lord and say, you know, what do you want me to do? I'm yours. You tell me. What do you want it to be? And the Lord says, this is what I, what I have for you. That's now when we need to start turning our brain off here. How do I do this in a smart, effective way? So, for example, you brought up, you know, you've been accused of being unromantic. It'd be a good idea to be going to the Lord and saying, "Should is is dating something that should be part of my life at this point? Am I am I ready to be hitting the scene and trying to figure out what that looks like?" The Lord might say, "Yeah, actually, I I do want you to do that." All right, there's a smart way to go about that, and there's a ton of really not smart ways to go about that. Going to a random bar on a Friday night and just you know buying people drinks actually not a good way to get into the dating scene. Not not smart at all. But, you know, looking at something like um, an eHarmony or whatever, um, filling out a profile, you know, starting to figure out how that system works, maybe meeting a couple of people for coffee and seeing what you think, that's a much smarter option. Um, so the, the key of it is um, following the Lord, listening to Him, doing what He says. It's not about forgetting your intellect. Uh, it's not about checking your brain at the door. It's about knowing when that should be engaged. Um, and, and the when that should be engaged is getting wisdom from the Lord on what he wants to see done and then figuring out how do we use all that intelligence source given you to figure out how to live that thing out. Um, if you'll get wisdom from the Lord on what he wants and then you'll turn on your brain on how to live that out, you'll have great adventures um, and you will never regret doing it. Man. That's a great point. Uh, one thing I'll point out on this, this whole listening to the Lord thing, you're going to get better at that as you do reps. You're not. You're never going to necessarily get the, what would you have me do, Lord, and get the detailed plan with maps and cash and stuff. But what you will get is a certain piece about it. And uh, as Lee was talking about, if you step back from judging it, I know I speak from this podcast when I can say that I've gotten things from the Lord that I said, really? Because that seems like kind of dumb. Okay, there's a, there's a concept in psychology real quick here called analysis paralysis, basically meaning if you're going to look for a reason not to do something, you can always find it. Yep. There's always yeah. we could use more information or this could be or that could be. Uh, a lot of times one of the phrases we have around here is it's easier to steer a moving ship. So like as Jed's pointing out, if you're talking, who do you want me to marry, Lord? I will sit in this room until they walk in. Yep. That may not be a great idea, but I'm going to go out. I'm going to join the singles group. I'm going to do whatever. Makes it a lot easier to listen to the Lord when you're actually moving in that direction yourself. All right, move on to our next question here. It came in our Trumbull inbox. It says, I'm a new youth leader at a church I'm currently attending. Most of them are high schoolers and a few are in college. What's a good strategy for doing youth ministry? I know listening to their needs is important and letting the youth be youth, not many versions of their parents, is critical for their growth. How do I balance growth and maturity while still having fun since everyone is so different? Is it my place to discipline them as the leader? And if so, how does that look? Lee, can you start us off? Yeah, absolutely. I, I love this question. Thanks for sending it in. There's a lot of stuff in this question I really, really like. In fact, for the most part, you've just got some great instincts. One thing I particularly love, and I, I know I speak for the rest of the guys in the, on the show on this, is that you use the word strategy. And that's the kind of thing that we love to do. When, when the four of us uh, get together in the, same, in the same physical space, there's nothing more fun than to you know, grab some food and sit down and talk about some strategy on how to get something done. Ministry strategy is about the funnest thing to talk about when, when, when we look at this, the, the work that we do. Um, as far as youth ministry goes, 
the cool thing here is that for the, for the most part, I mean, I like what you say about, you know, letting the youth be youth, not many versions of their parents or the ideal Christian teen or whatever. I, I do like that. For the most part, uh, most of your principles in youth ministry are just good principles for ministry in general. Uh, but let me line out a couple of things that, that I think are super, super important, particularly for youth ministry. Number one, hang out with them. Just hang out with these people. Amen. Get to know them, okay? Hang out with them, uh, you know, like when they show up at the thing before you get started, whatever it is, you know, wh- whether it's sitting on a bench and talking to them, throwing a Frisbee with them, um, wh- whatever the thing whatever the thing is, you know, take a walk with them, uh, you know, hang out with them outside of the youth group, meet up with them, have some lunch, have some coffee, whatever. Ask them questions about themselves, okay? Do this. Ask Amen. them about what they like, what they enjoy. Um, welcome them. When they show up at the thing, light up. Light up and like a Christmas tree. You are so excited to see them. And let that come from a real place of loving them. When, when they leave the thing, you pray for them. You write them down in your book. You, you pray over those names. You, when the ministry's over, you think about them. Your, your heart is breaking for them. So that when they show up, you're not just putting on a front. When they show up, you're excited that they walked in the room. You welcome them. Let Amen. me tell you something. A lot of the kids that show up at your youth ministry, no one has welcomed them to anything all week long, period. So yeah. when they show up at your thing and you've got a smile on your face and you're high five, giving them the hug, so pumped you're here, they will absolutely lose their minds over that. Just being welcomed, just being liked, just being loved on. Let me give you another thing. When you get into a position, uh, and all of this is is setting up something that we talk about, that we're, we're starting a friendship, we're starting a relationship with this person. When you get into the position where you can start talking to them about their lives, let me tell you a couple of things that are very, very key. Number one, okay, and, and for a lot of people that are in, in what Jed has been talking about, the Christian culture kind of thing, this is something that you do not know how to do yet. You're going to have to work on it. You're going to have to get some reps on this. But I'm telling you, from henceforth on, sin does not scare you. Yeah. Okay? Sin does not scare you. You are not freaked out by it. When, yeah. when you are talking to one of the kids that go to your youth ministry and they, uh, and they get themselves to a place where a vulnerability where they are where they are willing to open up and and let you into their lives and they want to tell you about something that's going on and they talk about some sin that they're doing you are unfazed right it does not bother you you are not judging them you understand how that is you've been through that same thing even if you don't do that sin you've got other stuff that 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 weighs you down that that you struggle with so you completely understand what that's like if you hang out with them, get to know them, ask them questions about them, you light up when they show up. When you talk to them, sin does not bother you. It does not scare it does not scare you. Accept them, you love them, you understand them. I guarantee you will be hitting homers, homers on doing uh, youth ministry. And that's a great place to start. Absolutely. That's the secret sauce right there. No doubt. And a a quick bonus answer to page 29. Um, uh, Rightly younger every day. Yeah. Um, uh, (laughs) There there's nobody doing better ministry with uh, youth than Lee. Yeah. Write him every day. Blow up his inbox. 
take everything he tells you, steal it, tell yes. people it's your idea, yes. and watch the accolades roll in. That's that's exactly what we would do. Yep, no question. That's what some of us did do for many years. <laughs> so the one thing I would I would add is um, when you've got kids um, uh, uh, that. Um, are, that you've been working with for a minute and they're serious about their their faith and they're trying to figure out, you know, kind of how do I take that to the next level? Find a way to get them involved in service. Find yeah, a way yeah. to get them involved in physically serving other human yeah. beings. Um, that could be uh, taking them to the local soup kitchen. That could be uh, maybe old ladies that have a house that needs fixing up. Um, there's a million ways to do that. But um, one thing about young people is they crave meaning. They crave yeah. something that actually matters, actually means something, and there is nothing more meaningful in life than service. Um, if, if you will connect them with the opportunities to serve, and again, I'm not talking about kids that you're just getting to know, you know, where it's, you know, uh, you know still, you know, kind of, you know, uh, talking about what music would like, but kids you've been working with for a minute, if you'll get them involved in service and help them understand how that relates to their faith. That this is, you know, Christianity is about loving other people. That's what we're here to do. Um, they will be locked in. Um, even, and here's the crazy thing is even if they go through, as they graduate from high school and go on to do other things, if they go through a period of wandering and, you know, kind of doing their own thing and maybe they're not on the Jesus thing for a while, you'll have given them an anchor to return to. Um, if, if you give them a place where at least saying yeah. they know their love, they know their hurt, and then they were able to put that love in action to other people and serve other people, that will give them an authentic place to return to when they're done ripping and running. Um, yeah. so love them, uh, love them, love them yes. when they, when they know they're loved, show them a place to serve, go do that service with them. Um, and that's as good as it gets. Amen. Absolutely. Glenn. Totally agree with everything said here. You, you know, we work with tough guys. We work with uh, guys coming out of jail, out of gangs and stuff. Uh, we are way mushier than most people I know in ministry. Yeah. I mean, we are just as lovey-dovey as you can imagine, and that's a big part of it. Here's the thing, especially working with high school kids, do not try to be cool. No. no. Oh, don't do that. Okay. You're, you're not cool. You are not cool. That's over now. Yep. Okay. And here's the, 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 the important reason why. Because they're all trying to be cool, and they know it's just silly, ridiculous, wrong, and pointless. If you are trying to be cool, they're, they're sitting there thinking, this person doesn't know any better than me. So you're so going to lose your, your, your ground there by trying to do that. In fact, if it were me, I would pick some nerdy interest that you have in something and, and tell your kids about it. Tell them that's what I'm into, just so that they get a sense of that the thing about being a Christian is you're down for what you're down for, and you are, you are unashamed of it, and that's just who you are. And it doesn't matter where anybody else likes it in you. Is it's, this is just what you like, and you love talking about. It. So for sure, I think um, uh, this idea of giving up, trying to be cool, goes together with this idea of giving up needing to be liked by these people. Mm -hmm. uh, if you are loving to them, then this whole thing of whether they like you back or not sort of exits the picture because uh, the, the, the relationship I have with the people I minister to is I love you, uh, how I love you, why I love you is my business, is not yours, and you can't stop me from doing it, and uh, I'm going to do that in a way that suits me, not necessarily you. So if you're, into, if, if you're misbehaving in the, the thing, I, if I need to cuff you on that, I'm not afraid of your reaction to that. 
because this is I'm not looking to get something from you. I'm the, I don't need you to like me. My ego needs are already met before I walked in this room. So I can go into that room and confront anybody I need to. I'm not worried about, well, do, will they still think I'm cool? Will they still like me? La, la, la. That's not a concern to me. Kids can sense right away if you need to be liked in that way. And they don't, they lose respect for that immediately. If you have that attitude where you walk in and say, this is how it's going to be, this is how it goes down. Toby, sit down. You're driving me crazy. You know, I love you. If I didn't love you, I would have pinched your nasty little head right off your shoulders. You killing me, Toby. Jesus, give me strength so I don't kill Toby right now. Now let's have a meeting. You, 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 Toby knows you love him off of that. Toby knows that you're showing him more peace. And he, he also knows that you're shooting him straight. If you shoot him straight when he's not acting perfect, later on when you cuff him and say, now, Toby, you know I love you. Why you make me yell like that? For heaven's sake, Toby, dang it. Work with me, Toby. He knows you really do love him. He's going to feel that. So so that's only deepening your relationship with him. Uh, needing to be liked so much that you let people misbehave and take your meeting off the rails, that's not a godly thing, and people won't respect you for that. No gimmicks, no games, no tricks, no none of that. Kids don't need that. That's not helping, whatever. I tell this to pastors all the time, no gimmicks, no gimmicks, no gimmicks. And they always look at me like, no way I'm giving up my gimmicks, dude. So we have to get past this idea. Because uh, again, that's the idea of trying to be cool. Uh, if, if, you're, if, if your mentality about ministry is these people don't want to hear about Jesus and I have to trick them into it, you are only ever going to be a hot mess when it comes to doing ministry. If you assume everybody in this room wants to hear about Jesus, that's why they're there. They're not here because they think I'm cool. They're not here because they think this is uh, we're going to have a cool you know, meeting or something like that. You assume they're here because they are starving to death spiritually, and you're there to keep them fed. If you have that assumption and take that as your responsibility, then I guarantee you you're going to succeed, and they'll come back. The 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 bottom line for every ministry I've done, and I've been doing it for way too many years to mention here, is that if you feed them, they will come back. Simple as that. Uh, that's always the bottom line of what I'm looking at. And, and if I could make that as specific as possible for you, I would say that teenagers, de- more than anything else, covet the opportunity to sit down, uh, preferably in like a small group kind of environment, where they can talk openly about their feelings, where they can be real and authentic, and where we can find some way to sort of apply Scripture to that struggle and that we can work that out together and solve our problems in sort of that group context. Teenagers crave the opportunity to have meaningful conversations, to have uh, uh, authentic moments where they can be vulnerable with one another. If you're able to do that, forget everything else because that's all they'll want to do is just that stuff. So uh, don't have the mentality of, oh, they don't want the Bible. They don't want this. I got to be cool. I got to have skits. I have to have games. I have to have all these other bells and whistles. You assume that they're there because they want to hear about Jesus and that you need to give it to them, and I promise you, you will succeed. That's an excellent point. One thing I would tack on to the end of this, uh, kind of picking back on what Glenn was talking about with uh, poor Toby. Uh, when you got to discipline someone to get the meeting, I want to focus on this kind of last little question you have here about uh, isn't my place to discipline as the leader. 
kind of. You have to be. You have to pick your spots real well. If someone's disrupting your meeting, obviously that's a point. Um, but as far as it's not your job to instill manners in them. It's not your job to make sure that they grow up to be upstanding members of society for the most part. You're discipling them spiritually. So, you know, if you're at the Chick-fil-A having lunch and everybody's got their elbows on the table and they're being a little loud, and they're letting some <laughs> colorful language fly, you're not winning any friends if you let that go, if you uh, try to stomp down on that. Yeah. Now, if we start hurling uh, abusive language at each other and we're rude to the gal who's walking around asking people for refills, that's a great time to jump on somebody's air hose because yeah. you say, look, and the way you do it is not to correct them. Just assume they already know what they're doing is wrong. Right. And like, right. y'all know you can't be talking to people like that. She's just trying to be nice and refill the drink. And yeah. you're saying that to him. You wouldn't like if somebody said to be, what, the, what exactly what in the complete crap are you doing? Right. They'll yeah. respond to that. They'll, they'll respond to them being called to a little higher standard. But pick your spots on that when it comes yeah. to those disciplined things. Come on, Toby. <laughs> Toby's got to get his act together, folks. Yeah, exactly. And Glenn's the guy, just the guy to do it. <laughs> That's right. All right, let's jump to our last question here. It came into our Tumblr inbox. It says, I struggle with loneliness. I'm single, and for a few days to weeks, I feel like it's okay. It's all good. But then I plunge into times where I feel so lonely that absolutely any relationship and or source of affection will do. I fall in and out of that cycle every few days, and it totally sucks. I feel down and discouraged. Is there a more effective way of coping with this? How do I deal with this now? Jed, can you start us off? That's a great question, and thanks for writing in and, and asking us. Um, I think coping is is the problem here. I, I think we're trying to cope with a problem instead of solving it. Let me tell you what I mean. Um, uh, the odds are, if you're lonely, you need more human interaction in your life. Um, there's a chance that you're a person with a great marriage and a great set of friends and, you know, great uh, community, and you just feel, you know, penetratingly lonely anyway. Um, but I don't think that's what we're dealing with here. Um, you know, uh, I, I think you actually need uh, more community in your life. And um, certainly part of this is uh, it probably would help to have some romantic interaction in your life. So the, the question that I think we want to get into is why are we trying to cope with this? In other words, why are we trying to make the loneliness be something we can live with rather than doing something that would lead to less loneliness? Um, you have the option, you have the ability um, to cultivate relationships in your life. We, we all do. Unless you're in very, very extreme circumstances, you're in a research lab in the Arctic or <laughs> in, uh, you know, uh, uh, locked up in SEG, uh, you, you have the ability to cultivate new, different, deeper relationships in your life. You have the ability to pursue romantic relationships. Uh, you can't force yourself to, to find the one, but you can put yourself in a position to go on some coffee dates with people. That's, that's what services like eHarmony are all about. So I think the, the question that we want to ask Darwin is, why aren't we doing that? Um, we, we possess the ability to do things that would solve this problem, um, but we're not doing those. We're just trying to, to keep the problem from bothering us. And, and I think we need to ask why that is. I, I think it may be that you're afraid of developing those new relationships. Um, Maybe you're afraid of, of being vulnerable. You feel like people wouldn't like the real you. And maybe you're afraid with romantic relationships of um, uh, uh, you just you wouldn't be good enough or, or people wouldn't be pleased with you and, and so it wouldn't work. And here's the thing is um, maybe, but we can't know if we don't try. I, I mean, the, the odds are, are 
pretty low that everyone you meet would hate you and think you're terrible, but I suppose it's strictly speaking possible. But if we're not trying, we, we can't ever actually answer that question. Um, there are much better odds you'll meet people and they'll think you're lovely and great and they'll be really glad to know you, but it's all fiction until we try. Uh, and I think the thing that you, you owe to yourself is to be bold, to be courageous, and to put yourself yeah. out there. And that's not just with romantic stuff, either. I'd encourage you to be bold and courageous to put yourself out there romantically, but I'm talking about just friendships as, yeah. as well. Sure. Um, you can go, whether it's at your church, or your school, or whatever, you can go find people that you would like to, to develop a deeper relationship with and do that. You can say, hey, guys that I don't know super well, I was thinking of going to the game this weekend. We should go to the game. What do you say? Now, there, it's possible they will say, oh, no, because you smell bad and I don't want to be around you. And if that happens, find the next group. Ask them. And also maybe buy a bar of soap. <laughs> maybe buy a bar of soap. Um, certainly. Um, and, and I, <laughs> we cover all the angles here. <laughs> we, we like to be really very, very clear about things. Um, you know, we've had a number of people who've listened to this podcast and said, you know what, I do need to put myself out there. I'm going to go, I've got this person I had a crush on, I'm going to go do something about it. And just so you know, if you're one of those people, we are so proud of you. Yeah. We are just so proud of you. We uh, uh, just think the world of you. And here's the true confessions. We have a certain number of people that have done that and gotten shot down. Yeah. They've gone and said, hey, I think you're pretty neato. We should hang out together. And that person said, oh, no, I, no. No. And that sucks. And yeah. it, to the people where that's happened, I'm so sorry. But then we have another group of people, they've looked at it and said, well, I'm not going to let that be the last word in my life. Right. I, I'm yeah. going to go find somebody else and talk to them. And those, those people are amazing. And here's what I'm saying to you is if you've got the courage to write this question into us, you've got the courage to put yourself out there and not be dissuaded if the first time you do that doesn't work out. Yeah. You have the courage to keep putting yourself out there. Here's the last thing I say before I, I pass this question on. Those days where you feel like you're so lonely you can hardly stand it and you you know take anything, those are the days just try and keep things in check. The days where you don't feel that way, those are the days to try and move forward. Because I think you sense, and rightly so, that on the days where you feel desperate, you're inclined to make decisions you'd regret. And, and you may be right about that. But on the days where you don't feel that way, those are the days to push yourself to make wise, smart, well-thought-out decisions to move forward. In life, there are days where we need to hold the line. There are days where we need to just hold ground and not give in. That's okay. We don't have to move forward on those days. The days that aren't like that, the days where we feel okay, those are the days push ourselves to grow, push ourselves to move forward, to take those risks, to be courageous, to take those steps. You can do it. You deserve to have friends. You deserve to have a love life. You deserve to have happiness and community in your life. Go get it. You have what it takes. Go out there and get it. Amen. Absolutely, Glenn. Yeah, I really like that. Uh, yeah, I was saying right there. I think the thing about loneliness is there's there's nothing like quite like that feeling where you feel like you have love to give and no place for it to go. You know, you don't have that person where you can share that uh, feeling of love that you have within yourself. And I think that's the the real ache and that's the real pain of loneliness. Uh but I think the, the thing about it is, as Jed is suggesting here, when we move forward, when we're active in our love life, when we do recognize, okay, I have love to give, and I want to share that with someone else, then, then it's time to act on that. When, when that happens, 
loneliness is not is not the issue anymore. The issue then becomes the possibilities. Sure. Here, here are people that I might like to die. I might like to date. Here are people who might like to date me. These are the relationships that may work out. These are the relationships that may not work out. Um, uh, and trying to kind of find the overlap and all that and trying to hear God's voice and all that, that becomes sort of the issue and the struggle at that point. And that's a good thing. Of course, you know, the, the, you, you know, you're making progress when you have new struggles, you know, that's, that's a good thing. Um, but, uh, I think, uh, uh, when we're stuck in that loneliness as Jed is suggesting and rightly so we're in a passive mode here and, uh, let me tell you why I think you should never let that happen is because loneliness can hurt your future relationship. Here's how that works. If I'm super, super lonely and I get way, way down in that, I just get, and it gets in my head and I'm going nuts and it's just killing me and driving and I'm just going crazy. And then someone finally asked me out. I might say yes, whether I really want to go out with that person or not, because now I'm just so lonely. I'll do whatever it takes to get over that. So maybe I'm getting into a relationship that's not that great. And then I figure, well, we've made a little progress here, but this isn't great. And I knew it wasn't great. I gave it a shot, but now I know it's not great. But if I break up with this person or I stop dating this person, I'm back to that crazy loneliness and I don't want to deal with that. So I'm going to stay in this lousy relationship and then a great guy will come along and I can't date him because I'm dating this other guy. So I'm, you know, you see what I'm saying? It's a big tangled mess. Loneliness has a way of kind of spoiling stuff in that way. So we don't want that buildup of that. We don't want that. I mean, of course, you know, when you're single, uh, you're between relationships, you're going to have those lonely feelings and in small doses, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't want to, get you scared or freaked out about it. But I think it is, as Jed is saying, something to be a proactive on rather than back on your heels. And he's pointing out that, uh, to be shot down occasionally or to have relationships not work out occasionally while painful is less painful and, and kind of less destructive than that loneliness can be. So you're better off getting out there, being romantic, taking your shots. And, and I think you'll find times when you get shot down, you'll look at that and say, you know what? That probably wouldn't work anyway. You know, this person wasn't into me, but that's because they couldn't see me. And if you can't see me, then you're, we're not going to have a good relationship. Or this person shot me down because they're on some stuff and they're dealing with some stuff. And I didn't realize that now that I do, it would make that relationship better, whatever. So in many cases, even those times when we're rejected painfully, we can look back and say, actually, that probably was the right call. So even then, I think you'll find it's a lot less painful than dealing with that loneliness and feeling stuck in that. Absolutely, Lee. Uh, I love the what these guys have said on this. I, I just got one little quick thing, and that is that we have a temptation, and, and all of us do this. Uh, we have a temptation. We have certain really... Uh, oppressive feelings, uh, like, like Glenn's saying, lonely, uh, there's nothing else that feels like it. It's a horrible thing to feel. We have a temptation, we have certain emotions uh, that plague us to, uh, to analyze those things a whole lot, to, to, to really try to interpret them, to ask 
what does this mean about me? What does it all mean, Lee? <laughs> I mean, I'm so lonely, so what does this loneliness say about me? Does does this feeling have a point? Um, and, and I think... and and, and uh, I just want to give you the chance to say, uh, you know, don't don't take this stuff too seriously in the sense that not that not that your feelings don't count or something like that, but your feelings, you know, they as we've said so many times, feelings come on you, they they just they just happen and they don't necessarily have a point. They don't necessarily mean anything about you. It, it this doesn't mean that you're a second-class citizen. It doesn't it doesn't mean that you don't deserve to be in a relationship. As Jed said, you deserve to figure out what's going on. But what we do is we we interpret we interpret this loneliness, we analyze this feeling, and that keeps us from being able to do the next thing because this means that I'm less than everybody else. It means that I'm uh, I'm not as good looking. It means that I'm not as fun. It means that I'm I don't have the kind of personality that people want to be with. It doesn't mean any of those things. We we've talked about this verse before on the podcast, but in Second Corinthians chapter ten, verse five, Paul says, "We take every thought captive and we make it obedient to Christ." And, you know, and that's one thing that we, that we want to do in this situation is when you have a feeling about this, don't analyze it. Don't, don't try to figure out, don't try to plumb the depths of what does this mean about you, but just arrest those thoughts and say, look, I, I've got this feeling. It feels lonely. I hate the way it feels and everything, but I'm not going to let this define who I am. I'm going to let the Lord define who I am and, uh, and, and I'm going to do the next thing. I think that's the important thing. It just goes right back, circles back around to what Jed said, which is what, what do we need to do to, in response to this, in response to this loneliness and stuff like that? Not what does this loneliness say about you, because that's where we can get hung up. And that's the thing that can paralyze you from being able to do the next thing. Don't interpret it. Don't analyze it. Just arrest those thoughts and go on to the, to the next thing that you need to actually do. What are the, what are the actionable steps that we can take here? Amen. Amen. That's absolutely a great point. All right. We thank you for listening. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com or the bridge chicago.tumblr.com. If you're right into our Tumblr and you want to make sure it gets on the podcast, mention that in your message. Remember, you can get a free Say That Beanie when you sign up for a bridge box. Those addresses are missionusa.com slash bridgebox or missionusa.com slash BBLY. Or you can head on over to ericpeters.net and uh, buy a record from our friend Eric there. We'll send you a beanie for that as well. Remember, starting next Wednesday on Lee's Ancient and New podcast will be daily audio Lenten devotionals. So you can subscribe to that. You can subscribe to this. You can subscribe to the Bridge Podcast where we do a little 25-minute worship service every week over there. You search the Bridge Podcast on iTunes to find that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. Brought to you by the Knight Barber Safety Council. Ha, 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 ha.